Let's see who can pick up on this and where this might come from. Are you ready? Very good. Okay, well, let's not get carried away. Uh, if only we had Brian May, who was part of the church, and we could go into a fantastic lead guitar solo there, but he's not here this morning, unfortunately. It was uh, quite funny, during the week, um, I overheard a young 10-year-old uh, boy um, singing this song, and I couldn't help but think to myself, isn't that amazing? This is a song that I sung and listened to as a teenager, and here we are some 40 plus years later, there's a young child singing this song and uh, really getting into it. It's amazing how certain songs um, uh, kind of transcend uh, musical styles and they also um, unite different age groups and cross-generational boundaries. And unfortunately, um, not all generations sing from the same song sheet all of the time, do we? There are certain songs, certain styles of fashion, certain ways of thinking that seem to clash amongst the generations. So it's, it's kind of nice when there is something that all of the different generations uh, share in common. Now, I wonder which uh, generation uh, you belong to. Can we throw up uh, the PowerPoint slides? Okay, so we've got a number of different um, uh, generations here. There's the Gen Zs or the Gen Zs, uh, the, what are also known as the Centennials. They were born in 1996 and beyond. How many Centennials do we have here this morning? One. Oh. Thank you. Oh, a couple of, couple of hands. Okay. What about Millennials, Gen Y? They were born 1977 to 1995. Okay, a few more. Fantastic. What about Gen Xs? born 65 to around 76. These aren't kind of hard and, hard and fast, but, yep. Okay, couple. What about the baby boomers, 46 to 70? Oh. They're the rowdy ones. And then the, what are called the traditionalists or the uh, silent generation, they were born 1945 and before, how many of the silent? Don't be afraid. Wonderful, a smattering. That's great. You know, Bayview is a church where every single generation is welcome, and every uh, single generation has a place. There's a seat at the table, regardless of which one of those categories that you happen to fall under. You are welcome here. Um, but each one of these generations is uh, quite different from one another, and we actually come from very different worlds. And this is something which is quite unique um, to the 20th and 21st uh, century. In ancient times, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, difference between the various generations. Historically, society changed very, very, very slowly. And so multiple generations would come and they would go, and there would be very few changes in the way that people thought or in the way that they did life. Life was pretty static. But then something happened in the 20th century, in the 
21st century where that just up, upturned all of that. And if you just think, for those of you who are in that uh, silent generation or that, that the traditionalists, think of how much the world has changed just in uh, your lifetime or even in my own lifetime. Um, fashion. Some people have still got the flares. They'll, they'll come back in, just hang on to those flares long enough, they will return. Um, music. Think of how much music has changed um, over uh, you, your, the, the lifespan of you traditionalists. What about uh, media? Massive shifts in the way that we consume media. Uh, technology, information, ideas, but also people's aspirations and expectations. Over the last couple of uh, hundred years, there have been major shifts in the, the, the aspirations and the expectations of people. And so we've lived over the last couple of hundred years with these uh, tectonic, massive shifts and changes. Generations now live in very different worlds. And this, this gulf isn't just uh, between those who are part of the Gen Z and the baby, baby boomers and the, and the traditionalists. Those, um, those differences are even apparent amongst um, some of those categories, some of those generations. For example, our, our daughter, uh, Chloe, started back at uni uh, about 18 months ago. It's actually her birthday today, and um, she's 24 today. And uh, she started at uni where many of uh, her fellow uni students were actually school leavers. So they were 18 and 19-year-olds. And she came home one day and she said to Louise, Mom, you won't believe it, but these, these 18 and 19-year-olds, these school leavers, speak a completely different language. To the, and she's 24, 22 at the time. And here were these other young people who are 18 and 19, and she said, they're from a different world. She said, I, I, I said, why don't we go camping? And they said, what do you do when you go camping? And she says, oh, well, you kind of have a, have a fire. You go out into the country, you light a fire, and you play cards. And they said... What's cards? What do you do when you play cards? So she explained to them card games. They said, oh, that sounds fantastic. And they said, we could also watch movies. And, and Chloe said, no, we won't be watching movies because we're going to be in the bush and there's no power. And they went, what? No power? No internet? No, mo no, no mobile phones? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just sit around and chat and play cards. And they went, no, thank you very much. <laughs> Different world, and only a few years uh, difference in ages. So it's actually quite unique that we gather here today as the church representing each one of those generations. And it begs the question, how do we do community, to get, how do we do community together despite our generational differences? How do we do community together? How do we do that well, despite gulfs in the way that we think and see life and some of the things that we, we our generation might appreciate, but the other generation look at it and shake their head and think that's really weird and foreign and I never want to go into that space. So I've got three things this morning. Number one, we are better together when 
we learn from one another. Uh, Paul, the apostle, who was one of the great leaders in the formation of the early church, he was on one of his missionary journeys, and he traveled to a place called Crete, which is an island in the Mediterranean. And he and his companions, when they were there on the island of Crete, they started a church. And when it came time for Paul to move on, he left one of his team members, a young man by the name of Titus, um, there on the, on the island of Crete to look after this uh, new church. So he was a young man called Titus uh, with the responsibility of pastoring a new church. If I had been part of Paul's team, I would have been, pick me, pick me. I want to be a pastor on an island in the Mediterranean. That sounds like a really, really good gig to me. And so Titus was young, um, this church was new, and Paul departs and keeps traveling, and after a while, he writes a letter to Titus, this young pastor, to give him some advice. And this is what he writes. He says, teach the older man to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, that's a really hard word to say this time of morning. Similarly, uh, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. See, it's always the older women. <laughs> it is always the older women, Jenny, Louise, who enjoy their gin and tonics, um, their sherry. It's always those older women, isn't it? You have to give them that advice. Every time I sit down with an older woman, I have to counsel them. <laughs> Stop the heavy drinking. Leave that sherry alone. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God in the same way Paul says to Titus, encourage the young man to live wisely. And so what, what Paul is doing here is laying down a, a pattern of learning for the church. So you have Titus, this, this young, young guy, is to what? Teach the older men. And Titus, as a young man, is also to teach the older women. So it's not just uh, uh, cross generations, it's cross Genders. And then the old, older women, it says, are to teach the younger women. And then Titus, as a young man, is also to teach the younger men. In other words, what Paul is saying is that everyone should be learning from one another. So inside the local church, there should be this cross-generational and cross-gender learning environment. See, we kind of assume that it's just the older uh, people who have something of value to teach younger people. But training, education, and learning in the church flows in all different directions. It flows up from the young to the old. It flows down from the old to the young. And it flows across ways from the old teaching the old and the young teaching the young. That's the pattern that we see here in Titus. So I've got a question. Kids, 
you can shout out some answers here, but um, what do you think are some of the um, things that you can teach older women? So when I say young people, generations X, Y, and Z, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you generation X, Y, and Z could teach some of us older people? Shout out, what is it that you, you think that you have that we could learn from you? Any ideas? Eric, I've got news for you. You're not a generation X, Y, or Z. What was the one before? <laughs> He's supposed to be silent. He's supposed to be silent. Yes, you're part of the silent generation. Never. <laughs> so obviously, social media and technology is something that young people, um, they just seem to be born with the natural ability to be able to work a mobile phone or operate technology. Our little granddaughter who's 18 months, she points at the phone and she says, pa, pa, pa. And so uh, a daughter-in-law or a son FaceTime me, me. She loves to talk to her pa. And we have these little chats on the phone. And she's already figured out that that mobile phone, as an 18-month-year-old, is something that she can communicate with her favourite grandparent. Uh, with. But I want to say that there are other things that young people can also teach our older folks. One of those things is positivity and hope. Because one of the things that happens to you as you get older, there can be a tendency to become pessimistic or jaded or a little bit bruised and battered by life. And your expectations have kind of withered because you've been hit a few times, and so your anticipation of what the future might look like can kind of be a little bit low, but you get around young people, and they're incredibly hopeful. We need, as older folks, we need some youthful idealism, don't we? Instead of some of our jaded cynicism. Another thing that we can, uh, we as an older generation can, can learn from the younger generation is forgiveness. One of the things that I've noticed is that older people have a tendency to hold on to grudges and offence. Whereas you see a couple of young kids in the playground, they have a fight, okay? And they can be getting stuck into each other. But what happens is they forgive and they forget and then they keep the friendship going as if nothing had happened. So I think we can learn a lot as older people from a younger generation. Now, you baby boomers and you silent generation, what are some of the things that you think we can teach Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z? Keep a diary. Keep a diary. That's, that's, that's great. That's wise. Patience. Patience. I missed that. Sorry? Resilience. Resilience. That's one of my points. That's good. Purpose. Commitment. Great. How to rock and roll. That's right. 
I've got a few things that I, I think that an older generation can teach the new emerging generation of young people. I think we can teach um, tenacity and resilience. Okay, we've, we've, we've done some hard yards and we've, we're still hanging in there. I think we can also teach um, servanthood, or that thing of commitment. You know, I, I think as I observe, older the older generations seem to get volunteerism. They seem to understand that it's, life is just not about them. They're not part of the selfie generation. Well, some of us are not anyway. And um, older people seem to be less selfish than emerging generations. Also, I think the older generation tend to be resourceful. My grandmother was a greenie, an environmentalist, before the term an environmentalist was, uh, was even uh, thrown around. She went through the war, and so as a consequence of that, she used to keep all of her brown paper bags. She would fold them up, bits of string, all kinds of stuff. And she would reuse them and repurpose them. So incredibly resourceful generation, I think, particularly the traditionalists, the, the silent generation in particular. And the other thing is, I think, that the older people, according to the Bible, have something else to offer younger people, and that's wisdom. Job 12.12 says, Wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Isn't that great? We just don't just have a senior's card. The Bible tells us that wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. And so the younger generation are the most knowledgeable um, generation that the world has ever known. The internet has made information um, easily accessible um, so now that anyone and everyone can be an expert. Doesn't happen here, but when we were at our church in Fitzroy North, if I got up to preach, I'd say, today I'm going to be preaching from such and such a uh, scripture. I'm not kidding you. Most of the young people would pull out their phones, and I knew what they were doing. They were doing a search. Or if I quoted something, they would check to make sure that I'd quoted correctly. And you realize I'm not the only expert in the room today. These guys are all on their phones checking out to make sure that what I'm saying is actually, actually correct. But you know, with all of this information, I think younger people are actually feeling very, very overwhelmed. Um, so when it comes for, to parenting, for example, um, young, young parents, young, uh, you know, young families, they're, they're encountering information overload because they can go onto the internet to find out how to successfully parent. They can get all of that information of, of what they need to do. And the problem is, sometimes some of that information contradicts itself and they're left not knowing what to do. So they've got this information. But information is not wisdom. You see, knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge. And a knowledgeable person may know, may know what to say, but a wise person knows when to say it. And I think that despite what older people think, I really believe that we live in a time where young people desperately want relationship with older people. 
that they want someone to come alongside of them to help them navigate life wisely and well. And they are looking for relationship with those who have gone before them to help them apply all the information that is now available to them, to help them process all of this data and help them make wise decisions. Now in Judges chapter 2, verses 8 and 12, it says, Joshua, son of Nun. She must have been a bad nun, that's all I can say. (laughs) Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them. We see here in this this, uh, scripture the consequences of either the older generation failing to teach the next generation or the failure of the younger generation to, to not listen to the instruction that the older generation gave. And there is always a high price to be paid for failing either to pass on uh, the heritage and legacy of faith or for a generation to fail to learn the lessons of those who have gone before them. And so what I want to do, I want to encourage you older folks to take the initiative to get alongside the younger people of our community and impart to them your life experience and help them process. See, young people don't want to be told what to do, do they? But you just need to say, I'm available. How can I, how can I help? And young people, I want to encourage you to um, knock on the door of um, some of the older people in our congregation and say, can I just have coffee with you and spend some time with you? Two times this week, I've spoken with some folks and I've said, hey, you should speak to Mike Simpson. And both of those people said, already taken care of. I'm already, it's already in my diary to meet with Mike and have a conversation. I think Mike initiated those conversations. And I just love to hear that, that someone with Mike's wisdom and his experience and um, all of his life skills is just getting alongside the younger people of our church and imparting to them. Can you imagine how good things would be if we all did that? That would be really, really cool. So the second thing, and my next two points are much shorter than the first one. We are better together when we adjust to one another. You see, being part of a multi-generational church is not without its challenges. Everyone has to learn to adapt and exercise patience. The scripture here in Ephesians which says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another especially toward those who may try your patience. I love that. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Young people, you need to accommodate older people. You've just got to face the fact that they drive slower than you do. They walk slow. They're 
ears aren't quite as attuned to the same style of music that you happen to enjoy. So young people make concessions for the older people who are part of our church community. But can I say this? I believe that it's the mature who should make the majority of the adjustments. I say that as a baby boomer. It is our generation, the baby boomer generation and the silent generation or the traditionalists that I believe should make the majority of the adjustments. You say, well, hold on. Come on. Should be the younger ones that adapt to us. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. Life does not work like that. So when a baby comes along, tell me, who makes the adjustments? The baby or the adult? <laughs> the parent of the house. Who makes the adjustments? Come on. The adults. The parents make the adjustments, not the children. We, we have to move the furniture. We have to lock up the nice china. We have to um, install a baby gate. We have to um, put locks on the kitchen uh, cupboards so they, those little hands don't get into those things. We have to have a special room in the house that's now dedicated for the baby. And that might have been your media room, but it's gone. Somebody else has claimed that. You lose sleep and your social calendar goes out of the window. We're just doing some um, improvements to our house and we've got um, two grandchildren and another one that's due today. Hopefully. No. So we're going to end up with three grandchildren. We're making these renovations to our house and Louise is saying, we've got this really big bedroom. And Lou's gone now. We have to uh, set up the porticot in here. Then we have to have the, um, what's that other thing called? A cradle, cot, like a cot thing. And then we can't, uh, we, we, we can't put the queen-size bed in there. We've got to have a single... I'm going, hold on a minute. Our, our house has been hijacked by these three kids. <laughs> our grandkids are hijacking our space. But the mature... <laughs> the mature, the mature, <laughs> I hate to say this, should, should make the majority of adjustments, the majority of but not all of. Why? Because we're now living in a multi-generational environment. The mature should be the ones that make the majority of the adjustments. Why? Because we're living in a multi-generational environment and we should create space for the young ones that are coming through. You see, in the past, you know, the old adage was, uh, kids should be what? Seen and not heard. Um, that might have been true for a previous generation, but that is not true now. Young people want to be seen and they want to be heard. They want to participate and they want to contribute. 
And, uh, you know, when I was an intern pastor, I was training um, under one of the best, still the best preacher I've ever heard in my life, David Jones, best preacher I've ever, and I was an intern pastor and I had to train under this guy and I would preach and he's sitting there in the front row and everybody in the place knew that he could do a much better job than I could do. But they gave me a shot. They gave me a goal. And I made mistakes. But I grew through given, by, giving, by being given the opportunity. And our role as the older generation is to create space to serve and to guide the next generation coming through. If we don't, we're shot. Okay? Thirdly and finally, we are better together when we appreciate one another. Um, the word appreciate means to esteem or highly, or highly value. And it's from a Latin word meaning to set a price. To set a price. I wonder, young people, what price do you set on the older people of our church? Have you placed a low value on the opinions of the older people of our church? Or do you set a high value? Do you esteem the opinions of the older folks of our congregation? And older folks, what value, what price do you place on the generations that are different um, to you? Now, there's a difference between tolerating one another and appreciating one another. And the way that we move from tolerance to appreciating is to actually recognise that each generation brings something of value to the table. That each category has something unique to bring that makes the church a better place. And the reason any of us got anywhere in life is that people stopped just tolerating us and they started appreciating us. And what we are to do is we are to communicate and demonstrate our appreciation, aren't we? Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Bayview Church is one family made up of a number of different generations. And it says that we are to try to outdo ourselves in respect and honour of one another. In particular, and I'll finish on this point, the Bible says that we should honour our seniors. In Leviticus 19.32, it says, Stand up in the presence of the aged and show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. And I want to say this to the young people of our community. If you want to revere God and respect God and worship God, one of the ways in which you, you honour God is to actually honour and respect those that are older than yourself. It's almost like an act of worship to show respect for those that have gone before you. And you might be sitting here saying, how do, I know, how do I know if I'm a senior or not? How do I know if I'm one of those older people? Well, you know you're an older person 
If you want, can't walk past a toilet without thinking, <laughs> I may as well have a pee while I'm here. <laughs> or you're an older person, if you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, say to yourself, that can't be right. <laughs> you know you're an older person if you are asleep, but others are worried that you are dead. You know you're an older person if your knees buckle, but your belt won't. <laughs> or your ears and your nose are hairier than your head. And when you start turning out the lights for financial reasons rather than for romantic ones. <laughs> so if you fall into any of those categories, or at least three of the, uh, of the six categories, you're probably an older person. And we want to say to you, um, we honour you and we respect you. We thank you for your hard yards and we invite and we encourage your input into our lives. Those of us who are younger, please take the initiative. Share with us your wisdom. Impart to us um, the things that you've learnt on your journey. And help us and remind us of the importance of carrying on the legacy of faith that you faithfully demonstrated over your lifetime. That's how we will become better as a church. Amen? Amen. 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 Beautiful.